Section 8 of Light and Peace by Padre Quadrupani. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3 Social Life. Chapter 18 Charity. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. St. John, chapter 13, verse 35 he who saith he is in the light and hateth his brother he is in darkness even until now one john chapter two verse nine our divine lord has said that his disciples should be known by their love one for another this christian virtue of charity makes us love our neighbor in god the creature for the sake of the creator love of god love of neighbor these virtues are two branches springing from the same trunk and having but one and the same root assist your brethren in their needs whenever you can however you should always be careful to consult the laws of prudence in this matter and be guided by your means and position supply by a desire to do good for the material aid you are unable to give when your neighbor offends you he does not cease on that account to be the creature and the image of god therefore the christian motive you have for loving him still exists he is not perhaps worthy of pardon but has not our saviour jesus christ who so often has forgiven you much more grievous offences merited it for him observe however that we can scarcely avoid feeling some repugnance for those who have offended us but to feel and to consent are two distinct and widely different things as we have already said when religion commands us to love our enemies the commandment is addressed to the superior portion of the soul the will not to the inferior portion in which reside the carnal affections that follow the natural inclinations in a word when we speak of charity the question is not of that human friendship which we feel for those who are naturally pleasing to us a sentiment wherein we seek merely our own satisfaction and which therefore has nothing in common with charity charity makes us love god above all things and our neighbor as ourselves with a love not sensual not natural not interested but pure strong and unwavering and having its foundation in god a person is extremely sweet and agreeable and i love her tenderly or she loves me well and does much to oblige me and on that account i love her in return who does not see that this affection is according to the senses and the flesh for animals that have no soul but only a body and senses love those who are good and gentle and kind to them then there is another person who is brusque and uncivil but apart from this is really devout and even desirous of becoming gentler and more courteous consequently not for any gratification she affords me or for any self-interested motive whatever but solely for the good pleasure of god i talk to her aid her love her this is the virtue of charity indeed for nature has no share in it st francis de sales 
the literal and exact fulfilment of the evangelical precept is often found impracticable how we say is it possible to have for all men indiscriminately that extreme sensibility we feel for everything that touches us individually that constant solicitude for our spiritual or temporal interests that delicacy of feeling that we reserve for ourselves and for certain objects specially dear to us and yet it is literally au pied de la lettre that our lord's precept should be observed what then is to be done an answer will be found in the following passage from fenelon and we shall see that it is not a question of exaggerating the love of one's neighbour but of moderating self-love and thus making both the one and the other alike subordinate to the love of god to love our neighbour as ourselves does not mean that we should have for him that intense feeling of affection that we have for ourselves but simply that we wish for him and from the motive of charity what we wish for ourselves pure and genuine love love having for its sole end the object beloved should be reserved for god alone and to bestow it elsewhere is a violation of a divine right but although it is forbidden us to show hatred or to entertain it voluntarily against the wicked and those who have offended us this is not meant to prevent us from defending ourselves or taking such precautions against them as prudence suggests christian charity obliges and disposes us to love our enemies and to be good to them when there is occasion to do so but it should not carry us so far as to protect the wicked nor leave us without defence against their aggressiveness it allows us to be vigilant in guarding against their encroachments and to take precautions against their machinations always be ready and willing to excuse the faults of your neighbour and never put an unfavourable interpretation upon his actions the same action says st francis de sales may be looked upon under many different aspects a charitable person will ever suppose the best an uncharitable one will just as certainly choose the worst do not weigh so carefully the sayings and doings of others but let your thought of them be simple and good kindly and affectionate you should not exact of your neighbour greater perfection than of yourself nor be surprised at the diversity of imperfections for an imperfection is not more an imperfection from the fact that it is extravagant and peculiar it is very difficult for a good christian to become really guilty of rash judgment in the true sense of the word which is that without just reasons or sufficient grounds he forms and pronounces in his own mind in a positive manner a condemnation of his neighbour the grave sin of rash judgment is frequently confounded with suspicion or even simple distrust which may be justifiable on much slighter grounds suspicion is permissible when it has for its aim measures of just prudence charity forbids gratuitously malevolent thoughts but not vigilance and precaution suspicion is not only permissible 
but it is at times an important duty for those who are charged with the direction and guardianship of others thus it is a positive obligation for a father in regard to his children and for a master in regard to his servants whenever there is occasion to correct some vice they know exists or to prevent some fault they have reasonable cause to fear as to simple mistrust which should not be confused with suspicion it is only an involuntary and purely passive condition to which we may be more or less inclined by our natural disposition without our free will being at all involved mistrust suspicion rash judgment are then three distinct and very different things and we should be careful not to confound them chapter nineteen zeal but if you have bitter zeal and there be contentions in your heart glory not and be not liars against the truth for this is not wisdom descending from above but earthly sensual diabolical st james chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen for the anger of man worketh not the justice of god st james chapter one verse twenty zeal for the salvation of souls is a sublime virtue and yet how many errors and sins are every day committed in its name evil is never done more effectually and with greater security says st francis de sales than when one does it believing he is working for the glory of god the saints themselves can be mistaken in this delicate matter we see a proof of this in the incident related of the apostles st james and st john for our lord reprimanded them for asking him to cause fire from heaven to fall upon the samaritans st luke chapter nine verse fifty four acts of zeal are like coins the stamp upon which it is necessary to examine attentively as there are more counterfeits than good ones zeal to be pure should be accompanied with very great humility for it is of all virtues the one into which self-love most easily glides when it does so zeal is apt to become imprudent presumptuous unjust bitter let us consider these characteristics in detail viewing them for the sake of greater clearness in their practical bearings in every home there grows some thorn something in other words that needs correction for the best soil is seldom without its noxious weed imprudent zeal by seeking awkwardly to pluck out the thorn often succeeds only in plunging it farther in thus rendering the wound deeper and more painful in such a case it is essential to act with reflection and great prudence there is a time to speak and a time to be silent says the holy spirit ecclesiastes chapter three verse seven prudent zeal is silent when it realizes that to be so is less hurtful than to speak some persons are even presumptuous enough in their mistaken zeal to meddle in the domestic affairs of strange families blaming counselling attempting to reform without measure or discretion thus causing an evil much greater than the one they wish to correct 
let us employ the activity of our zeal in our own reformation says st bernard and pray humbly for that of others it is great presumption on our part thus to assume the role of apostles when we are not as yet even good and faithful disciples not that you should be by any means indifferent to the salvation of souls on the contrary you must wish it most ardently but do not undertake to effect it except with great prudence humility and diffidence in self again there are pious persons whose zeal consists in wishing to make everybody adopt their particular practices of devotion such a one if she have a special attraction for meditating on the passion of our divine lord or for visiting the blessed sacrament would like to oblige every one under pain of reprobation to pass long hours prostrate before the crucifix or the tabernacle another who is especially devoted to visiting the poor and the sick and to the other works of corporal mercy acknowledges no piety apart from these excellent practices now this is not an enlightened zeal martha and mary were sisters says st augustine but they have not a like office one acts the other contemplates if both had passed the day in contemplation no one would have prepared a repast for their divine master if both had been employed in this material work there would have been no one to listen to his words and garner up his divine lessons the same thing may be said of other good works in choosing among them each person should follow the inspiration of god's grace and these are very varied the eye that sees but hears not must neither envy nor blame the ear that hears but sees not omnis spiritus laudet dominum let every spirit praise the lord says the royal prophet psalm one hundred fifty verse five bear well in mind that the zeal which would lead you to undertake works not in conformity with your position however good and useful they may be in themselves is always a false one this is especially true if such cause us interior trouble or annoyance for the holiest things are infallibly displeasing to god when they do not accord with the desires of our state of life st paul condemned in strong terms those christians who showed a too exclusive preference for their spiritual masters some admitting as truth only what came from the mouth of peter others acknowledging none save paul and others again none but apollo what said he to them is not jesus christ the same for all of you is it then paul who was crucified for you is it in his name you were baptized one corinthians chapter one verse thirteen this culpable weakness is often reproduced in our day persons otherwise pious carry to excess the esteem and affection they have for their spiritual directors exalt without measure their wisdom and holiness and do not scruple to depreciate all others god alone knows the true value of each human being and we have not the scales of the sanctuary to weigh and compare the respective wisdom and sanctity of this and that person 
if you have a good confessor thank god and try to render his wisdom useful to you by your docility in allowing yourself to be guided but do not assume that nobody else has as good a one to depreciate the merits of some in order to exalt those of others at their expense is a sort of slander that ought to be all the more feared because it is generally so little recognized if your zeal is bitter says st james it is not wisdom descending from on high but earthly sensual diabolical st james chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen these words of an apostle should furnish matter of reflection for those persons who whilst making profession of piety are so prone to irritability so harsh and rude in their manners and language that they might be taken for angels in church and for demons elsewhere the value and utility of zeal are in proportion to its tolerance and amiability true zeal is the offspring of charity it should then resemble its mother and show itself like to her in all things charity says st paul is patient is kind is not ambitious and seeketh not her own one corinthians chapter thirteen verses four and five you should not only be devout and love devotion but you ought to make your piety useful agreeable and charming to everybody the sick will like your spirituality if they are lovingly consoled by it your family if they find that it makes you more thoughtful of their welfare gentler in everyday affairs more amiable in reproving and so on your husband if he sees that in proportion as your devotion increases you become more cordial and tender in your affection for him your relations and friends if they find you more forbearing and more ready to comply with their wishes should these not be contrary to god's will briefly you must try as far as possible to make your devotion attractive to others that is true zeal st francis de sales never allow your zeal to make you over-eager to correct others says the same saint and when you must do it remember that the most important thing to consider is the choice of the moment a caution deferred can be given another time one given inopportunely is not only fruitless but moreover paralyzes beforehand all the good that might have subsequently been done be zealous therefore ardently zealous for the salvation of your neighbour and to further it make use of whatever means god has placed in your power but do not exceed these limits nor disquiet yourself about the good you are unable to do for god can accomplish it through others in conclusion zeal according to the teachings of the fathers of the church should always have truth for its foundation indulgence for its companion mildness for its guide prudence for its counsellor and director i must look upon whatever presents itself each day to be done in the order of divine providence as the work god wishes me to do and apply myself to it in a manner worthy of him 
that is with exactness and tranquillity i shall neglect nothing be anxious about nothing as it is dangerous either to do god's work negligently or to appropriate it to oneself through self-love and false zeal when our actions are prompted by our own inclinations we do them badly and are pretentious restless and anxious to succeed the glory of god is the pretext that hides the illusion self-love disguised as zeal grieves and frets if it cannot succeed o oh my god give me the grace to be faithful in action indifferent to success my part is to will what thou willest and to keep myself recollected in thee amidst all my occupations thine it is to give my feeble efforts such fruit as shall please thee none if thou so wishest Fenelon. chapter twenty meekness blessed are the meek for they shall possess the land st matthew chapter five verse four learn of me because i am meek st matthew chapter eleven verse twenty nine our lord offers us in his divine person a model of all the virtues meekness however is the one that he seems to have wished more particularly to propose for our imitation since he said learn of me for i am meek and humble of heart try therefore to acquire and always preserve in your soul this christian virtue and to make all your exterior actions correspond with it i do not say that you should never have the slightest feeling of irritation as that would be to expect an impossibility but you should be attentive to repress these movements and never yield to them voluntarily it is natural for man to be often assailed by anger says st jerome but it is peculiar to the christian not to allow himself to be overcome by it a christian says st bernard who has no one at hand who gives him occasion to suffer should seek such a person eagerly and buy him at any price that he may have opportunity to practise meekness and patience if you are not disposed to go to this expense at least profit of whatever opportunities divine providence has given you gratuitously that you may accustom yourself to the exercise of these two inestimable virtues an excellent rule to follow is to make a compact with your tongue such as st francis de sales did with his namely that the tongue remains silent whenever the feelings are irritated otherwise you will begin to speak with a sincere resolution to keep within the bounds of moderation and prudence but you will never succeed in doing so because the bridle once loosened you will invariably be carried farther than you wished reprimand from an angry man can do no good reproof is a moral remedy how would it be possible for you to select and administer this remedy with discernment and prudence when you yourself are ill and stand in need of both medicine and physician wait therefore until your soul is at peace and when you have been restored to calmness you can speak advantageously 
even when it is your positive duty to administer a rebuke defer it if possible until free from excitement remembering that to have a salutary effect both he who gives it and he who receives it must be calm without this precaution the remedy will only aggravate the disease when obliged to reprove the fault of another never fail to pray that god will speak to the person's heart whilst your words are sounding in his ears observe however with st gregory the great and st thomas that if those it is your duty to correct abuse your mildness and considerateness you are then justified in repressing their boldness with vigour and firmness speak to the fool says the holy spirit the language that his folly renders necessary that he may not continue wise in his own eyes proverbs chapter twenty six verse five i repeat it reproof is a remedy and a remedy must be chosen and proportioned according to the nature and gravity of the evil end of section eight